This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora, I'm Ian Turner. Welcome to Garden of Sound. Today's guest is Lynette Diaz. She grew up in the States, moving from California to New Mexico and Washington before finding herself in New Zealand. She's an accomplished singer-songwriter, promoter and broadcaster, and with that awesome combination of skills, presented Femacoustica on Plains FM for four and a half years. She's about to launch her new podcast on Tuesday 14th, entitled Legacy Women in Music, but will there be enough funding to ensure Christchurch's musical stories continue to be told? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lynette Diaz on Plains FM 96.9. Lynette, can you tell me about the first time you remember hearing music as a child? First time I heard music, well, you know, my my family was... um, musical not with instruments but they loved to sing especially my mom my, my family always tells me uh, so i have a family nickname and it's rocky and the reason um i'm named that is because when i was really little apparently i used to rock in my crib whenever music played you weren't running around the house saying adrian yeah yeah basically not that but um but i don't actually remember that so as I thought about like my my earliest memories, you know, I think one of the biggest ones is um, I grew up in California in the 70s when I was really young. And we used to go from our house to visit an aunt. And every time we'd go, of course, the radio would be playing. And all these songs of the 70s were playing in real time, just released, you know, like Ventura Highway. Um, America and the Linda Ronstads and you know all the Elton John tunes of the time and I think those are probably uh, that's probably my my earliest memory of music. When did it uh, become uh, something that you you wanted to do? Was there singing? Was there playing? Was there any musical instruction at all as a youngster? It's funny. Uh, there was all these, these tales. Um, my grandfather died in World War II in the Pacific and he was a guitarist and I remember hearing this and my my older brother and sister they're five and seven years older than I am they started taking guitar lessons and I was really little and I thought oh that would be kind of cool and and they stopped doing that and then uh, it, it was a couple of years later I picked up one of the guitars and just messing around um, I used to pretend that I was playing to um, music on on this little record player that I had, but I never really thought about performing. And it wasn't until I look back that I go, wow, I was actually kind of living this um, life of uh, wanting to be a performer, but actually not remembering it that way. Was there any kind of performance at all with a musical or, or movement? or? No, I never did anything outside of the house. Um, nobody ever said, oh my gosh, you know, you've got a, you know, uh, awesome voice, that kind of thing. Although, although in saying that, like Kenny, Kenny Rogers just passed away and um, the song, The Gambler, my, I used to sing that to my younger sister. We shared a room for a number of years and I, she used to ask me to sing her to sleep. And that was one of the songs I used to sing. 
and so I guess I guess you know that's that's something. But I I never thought about performing, being a performer outside of you know what I was doing in the house. How long were you in California growing up? Um, lived there from the time I was um, about two until I was nine. You wouldn't have had the opportunity as a grown up to be able to go and visit some of those famous musical venues. No, no. And it's, you know, I tell you, because my brother and sister, they used to get to go to live tapings. Like my sister, she has stories about going to see Cher at her when her show was actually taping, you know, stuff like that. It was the same thing. Like I was a bit of a tomboy and I never got to go see the Dodgers because I was considered too young. Man. Yeah. So then in your teens, where did you find yourself? In my teens, I was I was really into well, I was really into writing. Um I started writing poetry and I was the editor of my school paper and I was really into words, but never thought of it as, you know, being words and playing music. So from this place that was really happening, you know, we we're we we're living in LA. And we moved to um, a really small town of about 14,000 people in New Mexico. And it's called Las Vegas, the original Las Vegas. There you go. But it's, but it's, not, it's not the Las Vegas of, you know, of casinos and whatnot. And so it was a very small town, um, very, very tight-knit uh, town. And, it, and especially for my older brother and sister, it took them a while to fit in and you know I didn't start school there until I was really young and so kind of quiet and shy you know trying to fit in so there wasn't really this idea about you know uh, performing or doing anything you know spectacular. So around that time what sort of music were you listening to by choice? I loved the uh, stuff that my mom had. My mom loved music. She loved buying music and um when when we moved to New Mexico, um, for a while she wasn't buying new music, but she had this really awesome console, and we used to listen to vinyl all the time. And she had this huge record collection, and the stuff that I was listening to was like the Carol Kings and you know Carol King Tapestry. I wore that out a lot of country. Um, Tanya Tucker. You know, she's she's made a comeback uh, recently, but I was listening to a lot of uh, country musicians, old country, but then a lot of um, contemporary and some jazz. Um, I mean, it really ran the gamut. She loved all kinds of music. So, you know, the, one, one day you might have Shirley Basie, another day you might have, you know, uh, Linda Ronstadt or the Eagles or something like that playing. What's the um, what's the drinking age in New Mexico, or what was it back then? 21. 21. So was that the first opportunity to get out and sort of see some live music for you? It's funny because there was a lot of music going on around, like, um, Albuquerque. It was, uh, when, I was, when I was in high school, there was, it was a lot of heavy metal influence, mm-hmm. especially my, my older brother was into that. And Why do you th- think that is? I don't know, but you know, this is the time of like big stadiums and stuff, and and Albuquerque was a big uh, college town, and so people would drive through. But I I was kind of um, a bit of a I still am a bit of a hermit, you know. So so the stuff that I was telling you about, like the the Carol Kings and all that, those that's what I was listening to when I was younger. But as I got older, um, I was really into like the eighties, uh, you know, the British techno and you wow. know the 
know, the Depeche Modes and whatnot. And, and a lot of the the college band stuff like Violent Femmes, you know, when they were just starting out and and the 10,000 Maniacs, you know, bands like that. Um, there was um, like rock bands as well, like the Smithereens and but I, I never really um, got to go to mute to, I didn't travel for music. It, it wasn't even in, in my 20s. Um, I really didn't start going to live music until I was in my 30s. Well, we're going to get to that in the second part of the show, which I'm very interested to hear about uh, some of the gigs that you may have uh, attended. Um, we haven't sort of touched too much on um, the, the playing and performance of music yet either but in terms of your musical style is there anyone uh, maybe you've mentioned them already or somebody completely different that you feel sort of sums up or may have influenced uh, the music that you have uh, created as of um the last number of years since i've been making music i would say uh, brandy carlisle is probably my my biggest overall influence and she started out in the scene. Um, so I lived in Washington State for a number of years. And it's funny because uh, she lives in Washington State and our time kind of overlapped, but I never got to see her live. But I tuned into her music around 2006. And there was just something about, um, uh, about her independence and the writing that she was doing that really just stuck to me. Is there a particular track uh, that you'd like to share? Um, well, the, the first track I ever heard from her was a song called uh, What Can I Say? And I would say that's, that's I always say that's maybe, uh, I'll, I'll call it my favorite because it was the first and it was the one that drew me in. But, you know, when you, when you really love an artist, uh, it's hard to pick a favorite. I have I have so many songs that, you know, that I love of hers, but. But I'll, I'll go with that one. It's called What Can I Say? Look to the clock on the wall The hands hardly moving at all I can't stand the state that I'm in Sometimes it feels like the wall's closing in
This is the Gardner Sound interview with Lynette Diaz on Plains FM 96.9. Lynette, you alluded to it in the uh, previous part of the show uh, about not getting along to gigs that much until you're in your 30s. What's the first big gig that left a a lasting impression on you? The um, the first big gig, well, so in my... In my late 30s, I would have to say it would have been uh, Brandy Carlisle. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd gone to, um, you know, during that Lilith Fair era in the, you know, late 90s when I was living in Washington State and there were a lot of bands touring through and I got to see um, Natalie Merchant and Joan Osborne was mm-hmm. really big to me yes. at the time and, uh, you know, just really loved the jazz and that type of thing. But um, in my late 30s, um, I took my kids to see Brandy Carlisle. And uh, that was um, an incredible night. Um, I was actually in the States at the time because I was living in New Zealand. I was fighting for custody of my kids at the time. Okay. They, they were kind of fans of hers because they knew I loved her music. And um, I went to... I had to um, go to Washington State to basically um, go through the courts to try and get them uh, back home. And I knew that she was going to be performing, and I was able to get tickets to her um, first ever uh, symphony uh, orchestra show. And um, it wasn't the one that ended up being the uh, the live recording that was um, produced into a CD. It was the trial the year before, and it was just incredible, and it's an experience that the three of us still have. And so it's probably my most memorable overall gig because of the people that I went with. Your performance, at least, I have been reliably informed by you um, (laughs) that you didn't pick up the guitar until uh, the tender age of 37. Yeah, that's right. What sort of led, led to that moment? I had I got married really young. I was 19 years old when I got married, and um, there's a lot of reasons um, for that. But basically, um, I was married for 20 years, and I was um, I was in hiding. I hadn't come out, and I used to write. I wrote a lot. Um, never never music, but I was always a writer since I was very young. I kept getting this thing like every couple of years, like you've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to, you know, come out, you you know, and, and the way the relationship was, you know, as, as people who, um, who are kind of hiding or um, living a double life, maybe there's other, there's other reasons why you don't come out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so around the time I was 36 or so, we, we moved to New Zealand and I had a neighbor who was always playing music on Fridays. And one day I um, knocked on his door and I said, uh, Hey Carl, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, hang out where you're playing. He's like, well, why don't you get a guitar and I'll teach you how to play. And uh, so um, the next Friday I come over with a guitar and. um, Do you remember what kind of guitar it was? Uh, yeah, it was a uh, crafter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, okay, you know, here's a couple of chords and he gives me some chord charts and his wife is French and they were going to spend the summer in France. And he's like, well, you know, here's, here's some chords, you know, this is what you do, just kind of play along. And so they were gone for a couple of months 
And while they were gone, I was just so um, like, you know, when you know it's time and everything just starts coming together and I had so much to say and I had, you know, I was, my marriage was crumbling and, you know, I was finally to this point where it's like everything's got to be said and it started coming out through the music and it just, and it just flowed and flowed. And so he comes back a couple months later and he's like, uh, so what have you been doing? I was like, Hey, listen to this. I've got a song. And he's like, wow. <laughs> he basically was like, you know what? You've got to go sing these. And he uh, took me to a open mic at the Christchurch folk club. And, you know, they, they were really supportive and I just kind of kept rolling from there. And it, it gave me some strength as well to be able to to go through the stuff that I needed to go through at that time, you know, the the breakup of my marriage, the, you know, um, having to tell my kids and, you know, which they were, they were actually quite fine with. And, you know, with the reordering of your life as a single parent and all of these things that come with it and, you know, fighting for custody to give my kids while trying to make music when you're older and yeah, it was uh, it was it, it was quite a time. What's your feeling towards uh, those original pieces now? I love them because they're you know I'm, it's funny because I always say though that the music that I was writing ten or twelve years ago, I was I was writing from the me that's now. I always okay. I always feel feel like um, some of the things that I've written. Um, when I look back at them, I was I was trying to, like the me now, the older me was trying to inform the younger me, you know, of certain things, you know, like it's going to be okay, or because a lot of the messages that were coming out at the time were about forward motion and you know um, you're you're going to be all right and you know little bits of empowerment, but there was also those parts of you know like you know, being truthful and having integrity and all of those things that I needed to have in order to, to do what I, what I needed to do to get to this place that I am now. Is there anything that you would have said to, to your younger self, young sort of mid-teens Lynette perhaps with regards um, to the music? I think part of it would have been uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, whatever you do, um, pace yourself and be kinder. Mm-hmm. And that the person that stares back at you in the mirror in the mornings, you know, um, just you know, be be kind to that person, and um, and also maybe stay the course of your dreams. Do you have? Do you, have you got any favorites? Have you got any favorite artists? Maybe somebody that you've I don't know had with you for for a while or a particular track yeah you know what um it's funny because i sometimes i wake up with um words when you when you've fallen asleep and you know you you've had a good night's sleep or whatnot and a lot of times songs and or words or or ideas sometimes mine sometimes others come come into my consciousness when i first wake up and recently um cheryl crow's i shall believe uh, came back into my consciousness, and so I think that's the one. You know, if there's a song that I that I'd like to, you know, have you play now, that kind of um, is a favorite at the moment. Um, 
Yeah, Sheryl Crow, and and she reminds me of a time um, when her stuff was when her uh, Tuesday Night Music Club came out, and then her um, self-titled uh, album, especially. Um, there was there was something about those two albums that really stuck to me, and um, yeah, so I would say like I shall believe. Come to me. If it's a lie, it will be alright. And I shall believe. Broken into. And I know you're onto me. That I only come home when I'm so all alone.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Lynette Diaz on Plains FM 96.9. Lynette, you're not just a musician, uh, but you're also a broadcaster, which I can tell yes. from the excellent way you, you tell stories. Coming up next week on Plains FM, you've put together a, um, a series about women in music. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Obviously, you're one yourself um yeah, where did yeah. the uh, impetus come for that okay so it's it's called the uh legacy women in music series or legacy women in music podcast and the concept came out um so years ago um i had a show on planes fm called fem acoustica mm-hmm. and that ran for about four and a half years and it was it was to showcase women in music and and um, because I started late in life making music, I, I've always been um, quite uh, aware of other women starting late in life or, you know, as an older musician trying to um, create music that people will listen to and connect with and, and whatnot. Because, you know, just because you're older doesn't mean all of a sudden you don't have anything to say. What's been the biggest barrier? Just jumping off the series Mm -hmm. what's been the biggest barrier in you putting your music out there i've run into you know some ageism um but i think i think the the biggest uh yeah the biggest barrier is you know when when you're younger it's um it's easier to um for people to uh, for, for some reason take you serious as a musician for um um popular radio that was never a dream of mine to be, you know, in on popular radio anyway. But when it comes to funding and things like that, so you you have to be a little bit more wily about um, choosing how you're going to make music, um, how you're going to put it out, and um, and and I'm and I'm quite conscious about that for my music. I was really fortunate that when I started writing music and performing, I went to a um, um, there was a gentleman by the name of Andy Thompson, and he had a um, he was doing songwriting courses at uh, Ara at the time, and um, he was putting together gigs. And one of the first paid gigs I ever had was um, a gig that Andy had put together, and I was uh, working with uh, another musician that he was uh, that was 
part of the songwriting course mm-hmm. and um, his name was Pete Love and we were duo partners uh, for a couple of years. Anyway, he took me under his wing and basically was like, you're going to, you're going to play guitar and I'm going to back you and let's hear what you've got and really supportive. And I, and then I had another um, musician uh, buddy that produced my, my CD. I had all this music and I, and I was like, you know, I need to, I, it needs to be out. And, and he was fastidious about, about things. And, and my guitar playing was horrible at mm-hmm. the time, yep. but the words were coming out and, you know, the, the bones were there. Um, so musically, it, it sounds a lot like, like him in some ways, but the songs are all mine. And I, and I look back at it now and I go, it's incredible that I was able to put that out within a um, within a year of starting to write music wow that's and fantastic. yeah and it was because people um, lifted me up and you know and so I wanted to do that for other people mm-hmm. and that's kind of the impetus of I started something called the New Zealand women's acoustic collective way back when when myspace was a thing wow. and I and I started connecting um, musicians uh, female musicians all through New Zealand and getting them, you know, some some recognition from outside of New Zealand as well, and they and um, musicians started working together as well, and it was kind of this cool thing that that happened at the time, and so I started the radio show, and that was another way to to kind of it, it made me feel better to know that that I could help other people, but it but it was also so helpful for me as well because I needed the I needed a confidence boost. Um, being a um, stay-at-home mom for a number of years um, and then just being um, kind of uh, floating as a single mom, it gave me a um, direction, I guess you could say. So the guests on the Legacy Women of Music series, uh, they come from sort of similar situations or how did you how did you choose them? So in this particular segment, there's, there's four, um, so four um, different women and all of them I know. And um, I wanted to do it that way uh, to begin the series because there's a bridge and between um, the the four of them, Denny Denny Stanway, who's who's kind of the she's she's got a two hour interview, um, and she's she's sort of like this um, this primo folk woman whose um, whose story ne- really needed to be be told, but but all of them, you know, they they're all um, sixty plus. And, and all of them I've met in, in some way. And I know, because I know their stories, I know, I know where they, you know, kind of the hard slog, you know, being a woman, an older woman in music, and especially um, some, in some of the genres that they play. For, for instance, um, Susan Grant, um, and you've got, you've got one, of, uh, one of the songs that, that she and I um, um, have done together as um, our group, the Manuka Honey. So she and I have played together for a number of years, but she's a instrumentalist in the like Delta blues um, finger style. Not a whole lot of women doing that, especially in New Zealand. And um, yeah, to to see her get some recognition for for her compositions, um, that to me is exciting. What's your hope with the series? Where do you want to see it sort of travel to, or do you want to see it inspire others? Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd love to see it in, uh, inspire others. But the the main thing is, um, I want to make sure that 
these women's stories get told. So for instance, uh, a friend of mine years ago, she was uh, putting together a um, retrospective and a book about pioneering women in New Zealand. And she was having the hardest time uh, getting stories, finding stories about women and, and what they were doing in the 1800s. And so it, I thought about like, you know, what happens, you know, 20, 30 years from now when people are going, um, what, who are the women making folk music, you know, not because not just pop and contemporary, but, but the women who are making, you know, other uh, music outside of mainstream and, you know, somebody's going to want to be curious and, you know, want to know about those, those songs and these women's lives. And so these stories are also going to be archived um, into the National Archive. And so, Fantastic. you know, they'll, they'll be around for a while if somebody's doing research later on, especially other Cantabrians to, um, you know, to know, you know, what was going on in this particular time frame. Time for some music. You did mention Susan Grant before, and uh, there's a track that you've recorded called Easier That Way. Now, that was done with Graham Wardrop. What was yeah, that yeah, um, so we experience? Yeah, we recorded that in uh, 2011, and... Um, his um, studio was pretty broken um, after the earthquake, but we still managed to um, to get this recording uh, done. And um, we did we did uh, four songs together in this particular um, uh, time frame. Um, so the underlying music is um, is Susan's. You know, she's she took the bones of of what I had already been doing and just put her own uh, stamp on on this song. And the song was actually on my um, on my CD that I had done in 2008, but she took it and just took it into a whole new space. And um, the the song "Easier That Way" was um, a song that um, for me, you know, I was I was a bit angry when I was younger. Um, I, I never considered myself angry. But um, I think it was a, a very internal thing because I couldn't really reflect who I was and who I wanted to be. And I was a middle child and, you know, I was, I was quiet and I, and I was trying to be, you know, the, the good kid and that type of thing. And, and um, you know, sometimes I let uh, friendships go by the wayside and... Um, that's kind of what this song really is. It's about wanting to to be a, a different person. Um, and sometimes it's too late when you realize, or at least you think it's too late. And so that was that's easier that way. saw you hurting but you never cried and I saw how poverty couldn't steal your pride and you never complained about life being fair no somehow you knew that it would just turn out square Called me friend Said you love me Even in the end You gave me peace When I felt awkward 
hurt me when no one else cared Maybe I was running so far so fast Thinking our kind of love wasn't meant to last Maybe I didn't hear what you had to say Maybe ties are broken easier, easier that way So now we're living different lives Never so together, them all broken ties My self-destructive anger and my fierce denial Man, I never go the extra mile for you running so far so fast thinking our kind of love wasn't meant to last maybe I didn't hear what you had to say maybe ties are broken easier easier that way Thinking our kind of love wasn't meant to last Maybe I didn't hear what you had to say Maybe ties are broken easier, easier that way This is the Gardener Sound interview with Lynette Diaz on Plains FM 96.9. We have just heard Easier That Way. That's you and Susan Grant. Uh, her particular interview is happening on 
Thursday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. so she's she's running a Thursday at uh, five p.m. Thursday at five. You've also got uh, Denny Stanway, uh, Izzy Miller Bell, and Eileen Reed. You talk about uh, they're all over sixty. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And any- um, and two of them are um, uh, well into their seventies. Oh wow! Okay. Any potential for for a concert out of this? Yes. Um, funny you should mention that. Izzy Miller-Bell has uh, just come back. So when I interviewed Izzy, she was in Australia and she was on her way to India. She has done uh, the pop-up series um, just after the the quakes. You know, she's she's done quite a bit uh, musically in Christchurch the last number of years. She's had to make a lot of it herself, but um, she's put together uh, a, quite a few musicians over the years and um, we had been actually talking about um, kind of combining um, our events because um, I've done events in the past as well and uh, kind of combining our minds to to work on something where we take this live. You know, if it's possible in the future, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, with, uh, with all the stuff going on in the world right now. But uh, to be able to, um, to bring these women together because some of, some of us have worked together before. You know, or some of them have worked together. Izzy, Izzy Miller Bell and Susan Grant also worked together, and um, and Danny hasn't uh, done much music in the last few years. And one of the reasons is her musical partner, uh, who's you know she was also married to Jimmy Young. He passed away a number of years ago, and um, and so um, she kind of had lost had lost the impetus to perform. But I think we could, you know, scooter back into a concert or two. And if I can, if I can give a a, a shout out, um, that's the uh, Christchurch Foundation, and it's the uh, they have a women's fund that was uh, set up um, at Kate Shepherd's, um, yeah, kind of commemorative of uh, women's suffrage. You know, one twenty five. They set up this um, fund um, to ita wahine o otutahe. Mm-hmm. And this past year was the um, first year that the fund actually um, awarded uh, funds. And there were three of us and we're all storytellers uh, in some different uh, way in Canterbury. And I was one of the awards and that was for this particular series. Well, obviously a desperate need for it. And will these stories continue at least in the, in the radio sense? I would love to um, continue the series because there, there are a lot of, you know, as you know, because in a, in a sense, Garden of Sound, these are legacy stories as well. Like I'm telling you um, quite a bit of my life, my life story, maybe, maybe not as in depth, but um, you know, these, these are our archival kind of, kind of stories. And I would love to continue uh, doing what I do. What about your own performance? Is there anywhere that you still want to get to, anywhere that we want to be or, or do with regards to your <laughs> stuff? Um, well, you know, I have, I have all of this music that I've written in the last number of years, and I've started writing instrumentals. My guitar playing is great, and it's, and it's, um, you know, it's much better than it was years ago. And, you know, <laughs> I started writing instrumentals, um, but I still don't, um, you know, I don't read music. I'm, I'm very much a by, uh, by feel. And so even the instrumentations and whatnot, and I can't, you know, write you a chord chart to, for, you know, because I might play something and, and they go, okay, so what is that? I have no clue. But what I, what I would love to do with my music um, I guess if Brandy Carlisle is available, if she would love to produce uh, some of my songs, that would be like the ultimate. 
Um, but if not, I just I just want to keep um, playing for people as long as I can, uh, connecting. Um, my, my music isn't commercial, but what it is, is it's community. It's got a lot of integrity to it and a lot of themes um, about love and dignity and, you know, community. And I was, I was doing quite a bit of busking um, when I went to, uh, back to school in Wellington. And I was at the Newtown Market, uh, you know, most Saturdays. And I came back to Christchurch and I was doing some busking as well. Now that's going to change in this new environment. Mm-hmm. And so I need to find, uh, you know, new ways of, you know, taking my music to community. We'll see what, I'm not sure what that is yet. Got one last question. That neighbor who taught you those uh, first couple of chords, are you still in touch or do you know if they're still around? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, I was uh, busking at the um, uh, New Brighton market recently. Uh, Well, a couple of, well, now it's probably a good couple of months ago. And um, he and his wife, uh, walked through and we got to have a really long conversation and I played his favorite song for him and it was, it was great. And they're, they're doing well, they're, they're healthy. And he was thinking, you know, maybe he should pick up music again because he hadn't been doing a whole lot. So my, my turn to, you know, influence. Here's a couple of new yeah. chords. I can't yeah, tell you exactly. what they are. Yeah. Hey, I'll teach you some songs, Carl. <laughs> That is absolutely fantastic. Lynette, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to speak to you today. No, thank um, you. Thank you so much for, for having me on the show. Um, as, Ian, this is great. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And most excitingly, you may not realize this is the very first show that we have done uh, remotely uh, for, for Garden of Sound. Um, we do have time for just one more track. Is there something uh, something of yours that we could hear? Another one of the originals? Yeah. Well, how about um, so a song that I that I sing quite a bit out in the community. It's called "Freedom Is a Road," and it seems fitting for the time as well. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, themes of freedom in my music, and I think I I, I don't think it's freedom in that. You know, in that sense of you know, hey, you know, freedom. It's it's more that there's a, a freedom of of your your individual self. You know, um, yeah, loving yourself. I guess you know, being kind to yourself, and and uh, it translates into a freedom that you can't, um, you know, that people can't take away from you in a, in any other way. Is when you when you know who you are, and I think that's what this song is really about. Lynette, thank you so much. Thanks, Ian. Thank you.
time for my track of the week, and it's a sad one. Bill Withers, the man who popularised Ain't No Sunshine and Lovely Day, just to name a couple of tracks, passed away last week. One track of his that I've covered many times and absolutely love, especially the acapella sections, is Use Me. I hope you enjoy. They're appointed duty They keep trying to tell me All you want to do is use me uh-huh, But my answer Uh, I'm 
Thanks for being here today. My guest was Lynette Diaz. Head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on Lynette's picture on the front page to check out her social media and the launch of her new podcast on Plains FM, Legacy Women in Music. All right, that's all for Garden of Sound. Love to have you back next Friday. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi there, darling.